And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I am encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I, myself, am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash SavingRonsLife. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life. And if you would like to meet the shooter, Ronnie Gossett, in person, you can catch him Sunday, May 23rd from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. as Universal Championship Wrestling presents the NWO Reunion 
and Road Stories. This will be taking place at Whiskey's, located at 3069 Wade Hampton Boulevard, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 3069 Wade Hampton Boulevard, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. The event will be hosted by the shooter Ronnie Gossett and myself, Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch. And joining us for the NWO reunion will be two of the biggest names in the history of the New World Order, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner and Buff the Stuff Bagwell. They will be there telling road stories and answering questions from myself, Ronnie Gossett, as well as the audience where there will be a live Q&A session where you guys can ask them any questions that you want. We will answer all your questions. No punches will be pulled. And of course, there will be a special meet and greet before the event where you guys can meet all of us and you can get autographs, pictures, cop some merch. All this great stuff is going down Sunday, May 23rd at Whiskey's. Tickets are $20, and you can purchase them either at Whiskey's. You can go physically to the bar to pick them up. You can get them on eventbrite.com. Just type in UCW NWO Reunion and Road Stories. Or you can purchase them at the official website, www.ucwtv.com. So get your tickets now before they sell out for this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to hear some NWO Reunion and Road Stories. Oh man, that's good. Young man, <laughs> you think calypso music is hot? You wait till you taste the pepper on this one. Ha! I go, I go, I go, I go on day. Giacomo fino anane, Giacomo fino anane. No, my grandma and your grandma were talking by the fire.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And, of course, joining me, ladies and gentlemen, here on The Boochcast, he is the NXT correspondent, great friend of mine, great mind for wrestling, always a pleasure to have him on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the one, the only, Mr. John Tumblin. Vinny, Vinny, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you so much for having me back, Vinny. Let's talk some NXT right here, man. <laughs> Hell yeah, because this one was definitely a kick-ass show. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this show starts off with a bang. That's what's the coolest thing about this, is that they wasted no time in getting to the action. Because our first official match of the evening is Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Leon Ruff in a Falls Count Anywhere match. So, before we actually get into the match, I wanted to ask you a question. Did you, going into this match, did you expect at all Leon Ruff to win? Because and I were sitting on the couch watching this match, and as as the match progressed, I more and more was like, if, if they let Leon Ruff win this match, I, I'm gonna be upset. But uh, really quick, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Like, I, I just, my level of disbelief was kind of stretched here. There was a part of me that thought it could have been possible, but it would have been dumb as fuck if they did. Like, I did not want that to happen on this planet or any other, but I did see it as a possibility. So, I, there, was a, there was a moment in the back of my head where I'm like, somehow Leon Ruff could take this especially when Isaiah Swerve Scott right off the bat was kicking his ass. Like, 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 like Leon just ran at him and Isaiah was like, he went like Brock Lesnar on his ass. Like as soon as he ran at him, just boom, knocked him out. Like it was, and Isaiah just dominated. So at that point I was like, okay, I think Isaiah can win this. But then I always thought NXT or WWE in general always does screwy things when we least expect them. So, and they've done things with Leon Ruff. I did not think were ever going to happen. So mentally I I thought it could be anybody's ball game from a booking standpoint, but I knew if they did let him win, it would have been a terrible idea. Yeah, okay. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that felt that way because the more this thing progressed, um, well, okay, hold on. Let me start with uh, the pros before I feel like my my cons with this. One, uh, some of the bumps that these guys took in this match, oh my goodness, like the reverse Hurricane Rana outside of the ring or Leon Ruff uh, or where, where Isaiah Swerve Scott just smacked straight into the mat. Um, later on in the match, Isaiah Swerve Scott basically just uh, like threw Leon Ruff like midsection straight into the side of the apron off the side of the mat. Like these guys took some shots here, Vinny. Like the ones the ones where you're normally like, uh, guys, let's not keep doing that because your health, man. Yeah, like I I didn't know like when he did that move like it was like the death valley driver thing into the ring apron like that like i saw like i saw his legs hit the apron and his neck his head and his neck hit the floor and i couldn't tell if that was a botch or if he meant to do that and either way he should never do that again i did not look at that and go whoa that was impressive i went that like whoa he almost paralyzed the kid like i don't know if isaiah was aware of how light leon ruff is maybe he thought maybe he thought he was normal weight or something but i'm like no you can't do that move that fast to a guy that light you're not gonna have as much control you gotta you gotta obviously don't be gentle with it but you gotta time that better like maybe move a little closer because you've got him like kind of take a couple steps forward and then hit it that way his back at least like maybe the small of his back hits the apron and like kind of folds him in half a little bit before he rolls out onto the floor like don't throw don't throw somebody with that kind of distance that he literally could have killed somebody yeah and and just some of this match I was incredibly impressed with. Um, I can tell these guys definitely practiced it because it, it like when I think of matches uh, we're going to talk about later on in the night ended up being good matches. You could just tell that uh, some people were just off timing just enough to make it look not great. Um, but 
I can at least say these guys, everything was timed correctly. Uh, there wasn't any, you know, there was it, it, nothing looked bad. But all I have to say here, Vinny, is thank goodness Leon Ruff did not win because I thought it was going to be absolutely ridiculous if he did. Because there, honestly, there was a spot there where he was landing those cutters all over the freaking ring, all outside yeah. of the ring, just cutter, cutter, cutter. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God, if they give this to Leon Ruff. But of course, Leon Ruff, uh, not that it's hard to do because he weighs 150 pounds, uh, but he gets a little too big for his britches. And uh, he climbs that little ladder outside in the uh, like the production area. And when he jumps off that ladder to really finish off this match, um, okay, I, I apologize. I don't know who this guy was. Uh, he seems to be, uh, at this point, uh, we're going to talk about it, but I guess uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, he's starting a faction and this random dude just catches him and he says like you know uh I, I forget exactly what he says but then he basically like backdrops him onto the onto the the guardrail and uh that that's the finish right there yeah now i don't know if this is going to be his name when they officially announce who this 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 faction is but according to the notes here it says that it's this guy's name is aj francis and he's a former NFL defensive lineman and currently training in the Performance Center. So the guy's name is AJ Francis. Whether or not that's going to be his name on TV, I don't know. But that's who that is. That's AJ Francis. Um, hopefully they change his name because I don't see that yeah. being intimidating. No, me neither. Um, but then later on uh, in the show, I mean, I'm going to talk about it now because it's relevant to later. Uh, it's relevant to this actual match. But later on in the show, when they show show um isaiah uh with the rest of his little crew there he's got three guys and uh what looks to be a really really in shape girl which to me that is their four person faction with one of them being a female so a little sanity uh vibe i'm getting here three guys and a girl um how do you feel about isaiah swerve scott leading uh well possibly leading a faction i love it and since we're on the of Isaiah Swerve Scott, I'm going to say this. I love this new gimmick. Do you? Love it. And I'm going to tell you exactly why I love it. Because when I watched Isaiah Swerve Scott in this match, I did not see kill shot. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. At no point in this match, okay, may maybe once in the whole entire match, I did not see one spot monkey move from Isaiah. He didn't do any crazy cruiserweight shit. He didn't, pretty much Leon did all the spot monkey circus crap. I saw none of that from Isaiah. I saw pacing. I saw not a lot of psychology, but enough to get me invested. Like he's, it's a, he turned a complete 180 with this heel gimmick. And that's why I love it so much. It's showing Isaiah is not doing the flippy crap that, I, that almost everybody else is doing. He's now establishing himself as like a heel that's gonna kick your ass and that's what I want to see especially from a heel I mean babyface okay you can kind of fly around a little bit if you're that weight and in that division but if you're gonna be a heel I want to feel like you're an ass kicker at some level and Isaiah showed that now Leon he's got no choice he's got no choice but to be a spot monkey he's stuck he can't do nothing else I take away the flips you might as well release him but Isaiah can show there's more to him than just the guy from Lucha Underground with the mask on because he was kind of still wrestling like that now his style is different and that's why i love this new gimmick and that's why i'm excited to see what he does with this faction because he's now his promos are getting better uh and there's something to this i i i have no idea where it's gonna go i who knows in a month from now i might hate this but he has my attention okay that's i i'm glad that we covered that because i was legitimately curious how you were gonna feel about his like gold grill uh, like rapper badass gimmick he's got going on here. I'll tell you, I like that it's different from say the Usos. Yeah. Um, it's kind like you know what I mean. It's similar, but it's different enough where I'm like, you know what? I actually like this a lot more than I like the Usos, freaking or the old school U 
Uso gimmick, you know, the Uso yeah. penitentiary. Like yeah. I wasn't down. I, I never liked that. Really? This is much, this is a much better for him. Okay. Yes. I like this for him. And on that note, uh, cause we can talk about Isaiah all day. Uh, we'll move on. True. True. To the next match of the evening. If we even want to call it that, um, Cameron Grimes versus Asher Hale. Uh, you're absolutely right. If we can call it that, uh, we cannot. And, uh, sure enough, man, this, this was a stomp, but I'm, I'm honestly glad because it's been a minute since we've seen Cameron Grimes. Uh, you know, we're getting these little promos with him, uh, with, uh, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> but, uh, yes. as it is, as it is right now, uh, we haven't seen him for a while. Um, but this was a short little match and I'm glad it was a short little match because it needed to be, we needed to like rediscover Cameron Grimes and, uh, this was good, but to me, it wasn't about the match. It was about pretty much the story of, uh, Mr. Money Cameron Grimes. Exactly. And I feel like with the loss he took from Kyle O'Reilly, this is a way to kind of build him back up. Like, let's establish his gimmick again, because this is still kind of new to everybody, the, the money aspect, at least to me it is. Um, and it also helps to, um, you know, get some wins under his belt. So when it comes time for him to actually win a title, because I definitely see a North American title reign in his future. Um, NXT title, uh, I wouldn't aim that high right now. I don't realistically, I don't see it going there. Could be wrong. But for now, North American title, he definitely is somebody I could see winning that title, whether it's from Gargano or somebody else. I, I do see that in his future. So uh, this was they did exactly what they needed to do with Cameron Grimes with this match. It was it was a quick match. It needed to be, and everything was done right. Even the segment with Ted DiBiase, where instead of saying to the moon, he's now saying I'm going to the VIP room. I love it. <laughs> I love the change. I loved it. He's like, and Ted DiBiase is like, see, you're trying to get the VIP. I bought the whole damn club. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking brilliant because that's totally what Ted DiBiase would do. That's exactly what he would do. I might let you in this club well guess what i just bought the club you're fired and then walk right in see i was actually curious how you were gonna feel about ted dibiase because i didn't watch wrestling back then like i you know what i mean i i don't know like how he acts or what he does so they are following the classic million dollar man gimmick here yes uh to a degree uh but that is that but ted dibiase's whole thing is that like he says like his catchphrase was everybody's got a price because that was his whole thing that like every time he formed an alliance with somebody nine times out of ten he was paying those people to work with him it wasn't like we're gonna team up and we're gonna be buddies or something like that it's usually hey want to work for wait want to team up with me i'll pay you lots of money and that's usually how they did it and that's why sometimes like there was a storyline in 94 between uh there was a rivalry and this is how far back it goes lex luger and tatanka were in a feud because like they were both baby faces but there were rumors going around that lex luger was secretly working for the million dollar man because they would keep having conversations and talking and stuff but apparently Ted DiBiase was trying to pay off Lex Luger and Lex Luger at the time had a gimmick where he was like the all-American boy you know USA patriotic character so he's like no I can't be bought you know I'm a you know that was that and that's 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 how you establish like a strong baby face against Ted DiBiase is I he's facing the one guy that can't be bought all the money you have is not gonna make me throw away my morals and integrity and then that's when the fight would break out. So at one point, Tatanka confronts Lex Luger and says, you're working for the million dollar man. He goes, I'm not working for the million dollar man. So they get so mad, they start fighting, they go have a match. Match is over, Lex Luger wins, but then after the match, Tatanka attacks Lex Luger and it turns out he's working for the million dollar man. So they did a whole gimmick there. So Ted, did, so they thought they thought he was paying off Lex Luger. Turns out he paid Tatanka the whole time and they were trying <laughs> to get the fans to turn on Luger. Did it? Okay, since I don't know that, is that how it worked out? Yeah, that's exactly how it worked out. Uh, Tatanka, after the, after the match, they shook hands because they were both baby faces. So they're shaking hands after the match. Like, all right, good match. You beat me. But then Tatanka nails him, like knocks him out. And then afterwards, they grab a couple hundred dollar bills and stuff him in Lex Luger's mouth. Because that was another thing that DiBiase would do. Because after he would knock you out, he would take money and stuff it down your throat. Because I got plenty. Because that was his thing. Money means oh nothing goodness. to DiBiase because I got plenty to throw around. That's why he would like pay so many people or like or I said before, like I said, when we did stand up and stand and deliver, he would do the thing where he would, you know, have pull people out of the audience. I assume they were plants. Could be wrong. Uh, they were probably were because they like to control everything. Um, and had them like do ridiculous things to try to get money from DiBiase. Like I'll tell the story again because it bears repeating. He had a, he took this little boy out of the crowd and gave him a ball to dribble. He said, "If you can dribble this ten times." 
times in a row without stopping, I will give you $500. And the kid, he gets eyes lights up. Even his parents were like, holy shit, 500 bucks? So the kid's going, one, two, three, and the crowd's, and the crowd is screaming, and the crowd's counting along. Like, they're going, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The kid gets to nine. DiBiase kicks the ball out of his hands and goes, oh, sorry, you didn't get all 10. Guess you don't get the money. And the kid's like, the kid's in freaking tears. The parents are screaming over the guardrail and like security's trying to stop them from jumping over the guardrail. And DiBiase, and the crowd is booing maliciously. Like, I don't know if they chanted, they weren't chanting fuck you because they weren't, fans back then weren't that crazy. But if, if maybe there was somebody in the upper deck probably screaming that but DiBiase got so much heat for that because he would do sick shit like that with his money so DiBiase buying a bar out from underneath Cameron Grimes is perfect the only difference is because DiBiase is a legend people laugh at it instead of booing it like even at the Hall of Fame like I remember one year at the Hall of Fame he was uh when he got the year he got inducted he had money fall from the sky after he was done with his speech and then he came back the next year to induct somebody else so when he came out he said he said he said uh i noticed a lot of you guys are getting really excited i think a lot of you are wanting something to fall from the sky and the crowd starts chanting like they're waiting for more money and he said well how does it feel to want <laughs> and they all start laughing because they realize he's no money's not falling from the sky this time but it like meant meant to you know get back into mr million dollar man character and exactly they they took it as a joke and not oh him being in character but that kind of sucks be, because like i guess when you make legend status it's it's a little different yeah because people understand that you know because especially when you're at the age where like it's a work and stuff it's like once you're no longer a full-time wrestler you're able to do the heel stuff that you did but people still kind of laugh at it now because because when because like these legends were like like when we were kids you believe like as a kid a part of you believe that shit like i i remember watching rick flair get inducted in 2008 and i looked over at my dad and i said can you believe how much we hated this guy like 20 years ago he goes yeah like i would when I was a kid, I despised Ric Flair. Like the way I, the way I, the way I despise, the way I hate on his daughter today is how much I hated him then. But as I got older, I realized wrestling was a work. Wrestling was scripted. Ric Flair's not really that big of an asshole. I mean, he was, but not to the degree that he was on television. So you know, you find out other scenarios where he was an asshole, like outside the ring. But that's pretty much every legend nowadays. There's very few legends in the business that there's not one person that thinks they're an asshole you, you'd be True. hard pressed to find that one guy there's there's like a select that's a small list of, of guys in the business that 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 nobody at least you find at least one guy that'll go fuck this dude it's hard pressed <laughs> there's even if everybody else loves him you i guarantee you you'll find one guy to go fuck him so uh, that, that's just the price we pay it's true but uh <sighs> Well, we weren't talking about one here, Vinny, but uh, this next match kind of <laughs> was a kind of a massive disappointment. And yeah. uh, speaking of hates the fact that this is what's happening to, to Champa. Anyway, but yeah, yeah, lead us into it, Vinny. Yes, and of course, John is talking about the uh, the tag team match that was announced last week. We have Tommaso Champa and Timothy Thatcher versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. The Grizzled Young Veterans. You gotta do it. You gotta do it British, Vinny, because they do it the best, dude. That's I, right. I, I love these guys, and I love the Grizzled Young Veterans, and they sit here and get absolutely ugh, i don't know i understand we're still trying to build champa and thatcher like i get that but so Vinny, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go off here in a little tangent go ahead still still referencing to this match but as you have said as you have said in the past here Vinny, regardless of how good the match was the finish can just absolutely kill the whole thing yes and my thing with this match was one either thatcher and Champa or someone in the Grizzled Young Veterans, they were off a little bit on some timing. They just there were times where they were just standing in the ring waiting for someone to hit their mark. So first of all, to me, the match didn't start or kind of progress very well. But then here, I I, I just gotta go to the end because the finish absolutely baffles me, and I think it's so stupid. 
stupid and a terrible decision how they ended this match. So somehow there's a joke about the shoes. I don't understand the shoes. Commentary put it over about American and there's their flip-flops, whatever. I don't understand it. I don't watch NXT UK. I'm not going to watch NXT UK because I'm just, whatever. It's not my thing. But they still feel the need to push this, this, this joke. Well, that joke gets culminated at the end of the match because Thatcher and Ciampa get this big red, like, shoe and they straight just hit one of the grizzled young veterans in the side of the face and he just just flops like a sack of potatoes at this point i am totally still down with this match because i thought that was a perfectly fine ending well then thatcher puts him in a submission to where he then taps out i i actually stood up and i was like who the hell wrote this that is absolutely asinine and it insults everybody's intelligence that that is how you finish that match you just hit somebody with a giant healed shoe in like the temple if that isn't a perfectly fine way to to lift a leg and cover somebody for a one two three i don't know what is why did thatcher pick up his arm and put him in a submission how stupid i'm sorry i'll I'll get off of my soapbox. It it just, it insults all of our intelligence and it was a terrible way to end this match. Yeah, you're 100% right. I can tell you right now because there is no reason for that. It's either either do the arm bar or hit him with the shoe. You didn't need both. Pick one. Pick one. And for this match, like I, I see no reason making Gibson tap out. I don't see how that helps the tag team division. If anything, hitting him with the shoe and then pinning him, it keeps the rivalry going if that's what they want to do. It allows in the trade matches back and forth, maybe culminating something big if that's what they wanted to do. But it seems to me like they just wanted a one and done scenario because after a tap out, I don't see how you have another match after that. Uh, you buried them. Unless, yeah, unless they want to use the foot at the boot as an excuse. But here would be my question. How does a boot factor into whether or not you tap out from an arm bar? It get, doesn't, Vinny. It's it's, it's asinine. <laughs> it does. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. I get, I get whacked in the face with a shoe. That's not going to factor my damn arm in an arm bar. It, it does not nothing like that was a stupid way to end the match and i don't know I, again i don't know I, again the only logical explanation i can think of for why they're putting these two together in a team is because they want to give champa something to do because uh i don't remember if he's ever held I, 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 now to my knowledge has champa been north american champion mm. i don't think he has no um, i think champa's always been a main event guy yeah so he was definitely nxt champion i do remember that obviously he's been tag team champions with gargano so so unless you want to get him unless you want to put him in the North American title around his waist. You can't have him and Gargano in a team anymore because they're clearly doing their own thing. So the only logical and is they can't fight each other again. Remember yeah. Regal outlawed that. Triple H outlawed that. But yeah, and so yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so it wasn't even Regal. It was the it was the it was the it was the higher up. Triple H made that clear. You guys are done fighting. So we we now have this, and so the only logical thing is to either call him up, which I think which Champa's made clear he doesn't want to leave NXT. So the only other option team him up with this guy i guess maybe make maybe they want to make thatcher interesting by putting him with uh champa since champa's a better talker clearly so let him do the majority of the talking and just let thatcher stand there and look menacing and then go out there and do your thing so uh and unless you're gonna push them towards the tag team titles there's no reason for them to get this win so i can only assume they're going for the tag belts which as i said before and i'll say it again msk has the belts right now i'll take any team at this point pretty much yeah, I'm not so down on MSK as you are. I'm not like down on them. I just think someone else should be tag team champion. <laughs> yes, I know. You're, you're you're more interested about who's champions. I, I have that and I don't like MSK because, uh, and I'm just going to say this and I know it's going to sound, uh, this is going to be blasphemous, but I'm going to say it. When I watch them wrestle, I feel like I'm watching an AEW match on NXT. There, I said it. It's it's not blasphemous because <laughs> um I, I can see where you're coming from because it seems like the NXT tag team division is turning into 205 Live. Yeah, and uh, me not happy about it. 
So N- no, I'm not either. And then of course we cut to uh Karrion Cross who's in the ring. Um and he gets in the ring basically says, "Uh last week I was looking for a fight. I was looking for a challenge." And a bunch of people basically came out or basically made it clear that they're not afraid of me. Well, I'm not afraid of you either. So now that we've established that, who wants to step up? Who wants to fight? And Kyle O'Reilly furiously comes out, confronts the NXT champion Karrion Cross, tells him he's not afraid of him, and I'll get to that in a minute. Then we're yep. joined by Pete Dunne, who's had some things to say. Then we get Finn Balor, who's all jock-eyed for a potential opportunity to face Cross. Basically says, Pete Dunne, been there, done that. Kyle O'Reilly, been there, done that twice. Wants a rematch with Karrion Cross. But then, all of a sudden, Finn Balor starts attacking Cross. Next thing you know, big fight breaks out and ends with Cross standing tall before he's attacked by Gargano and Austin Theory, who left him who, who left him laid out a week before. Cross faces Theory. Basically, Cross takes care of everybody, takes out a security guard, and and basically it ends with Karrion Cross standing tall, which was exactly how this thing should have ended. Yeah, it should have. Um, first, okay, first off, let me start with uh, Karrion Cross's entrance, dude. Holy shit, awesome. Holy shit, awesome. Uh, for, but second, he didn't have to be interrupted by 19,000 people to get the message across. Uh, I- I'm glad that this... I'm glad that this promo section sort of, uh, well, it gave us a picture of who's in the main event, like the, the main event picture here. Um, but I didn't think it required everyone to interrupt everybody. Yeah. I don't know if you felt that way as well. I felt annoyed. Uh, Carrying Cross. Okay. And then, okay. You're there with me then. Yeah. I loved Carrying Cross's promo. I have a hard time differentiating whether he's a heel or babyface. I think he's, a, I think right now he's in the tweener stage. Um, he's kind of somewhere in the middle, which I'm fine with. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, who I'm getting worried because he is one, he is a, he is a denim jacket away from becoming Orange Cassidy. And I'm not liking that at all. I, if, if, if he keeps this up, I may start calling him Grapefruit O'Reilly. But anyway, that's another story for another day. Wow. He comes out, gets in the face of Karrion Cross, and basically says, I'm not afraid of you. He's like, did you, were you not listening to the promo before you came through the curtain? Is there not a monitor that you are looking at? And if these promos are scripted, did you not memorize your lines or read the whole script before you went out there? This man literally said, we've already established you're not afraid of me. I just want a fight. And people are still coming out here running their mouths. Finn Balor is the only one throwing a punch. And he was the only one that did any damage to Karrion Cross. but at least it was believable when he did it. Like when he did that running dropkick thing, all it did was knock him into the corner. It didn't knock him on the ground. Because if it had knocked him on the ground, I'd have changed the channel. I would have immediately changed the channel. That's how mad I would have been. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I, I want to see badass Karrion Cross. It was done. Everything in that ring was done in a believable way. Because, again, I, I, fans will give me shit. I don't care. You're not going to make me believe that any of these guys individually can put Karrion Cross on his ass in a cold fight. Now, at a match, if if it's gone a long time and they're and they're both fatigued and tired, maybe then with some psychology, you could maybe get him on the ground, but in an actual we're going to brawl, we're going to fight, none of you are putting him on his ass in a real fight. None of them. The only one who even has a prayer of a chance is maybe Pete Dunne. So Yeah, I I'm I'm actually excited to see that match. Yeah. So, the fact if we ever that, get it. Yeah, so the fact that all three of these guys were taking cheap shots at Carrion, but Carrion eventually knocked them out of the ring and was standing tall and even took out the security guy, that's believable. That's what I wanted to see. So it the promos were awkward, but it ended the way it should have ended. And I like that. And again, they need to come up with better ways of confrontation. Because if the man's already saying, I don't care if you're afraid of me, who wants to fight? And you're telling the guy a second time, I'm not afraid of you. You look stupid. Like he literally yeah. opened the promo with, "We've ne- since we've now established that I that we're not afraid of each other. I want to fight." At that moment, a fight needs to happen. There doesn't need to be talking, and if there is, it should be brief, like Balor did. But this made Kyle O'Reilly look like a dumbass. It it made him look like a dumbass, and I'm I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I'm gonna be honest here. Uh, his new whatever carefree Kyle O'Reilly gimmick, I I think's kind of dumb. I, I think it's a little dumb. Uh. 
real quick, how do you feel about his new little, like, the the hang-loose Kyle O'Reilly? I don't like it. I, like I said, I, the first time he came back from Stan Lear, that first NXT when he came back, he was in all denim, had a hat and glasses on. I'm like, is this motherfucker? I literally thought he was imitating Orange Cassidy. Like, I'm worried he's going to try right. to turn into Orange uh, Cassidy. I, I really sure as hell hope not, because I'm, like, n- well, okay, the, when he first came out, I thought it was, like, he was still, like, you know, resting from the the match with Adam Cole. Uh, but then he comes out in this again, and I can, like, you start to realize, like, great, this is actually what Kyle O'Reilly's gonna be from now on. Uh, this, whatever he is. And I'll tell you what, it just makes me miss the Undisputed Era even more. It's it's awful. It's awful, man. I agree. Just makes me miss the Undisputed Era and this bull crap that they got going on. Um, but I do agree with you uh, here. I'm glad that Carrying uh, Cross, our NXT champion, uh, stood tall at the end of this. Because if he didn't, uh, that would have looked real stupid. And then on that note, uh, we're going to cut over here. We're going to jump around here because there's some stuff that's not listed here that we need to talk about. Um, I, okay, we, Tony Storm. That ass Tony Storm, as we like to call her. Yeah. Uh, uh, she cuts a promo on Zoe Stark. I got to be honest. I wasn't feeling it. Were you? No, it was a bad promo. It felt forced. It really did. Yep, it was a bad promo. Yeah, I see the words she was trying to say, but her delivery was just way... And then... Uh, Tony, Tony Storm's weird for me right now in NXT because she's not she hasn't grasped me again like she did when she was first here uh i don't know if you feel the same way but i'm i just don't care about tony storm right now i i don't think she does well as a heel i don't i think she's she was better as a baby face they're trying to make her heel but she's just it's not working she's not she's not i i don't i don't find her believable as a heel i mean it's, it's just not working you know i feel like she's one of those people that she's trying to it's like some it's like the difference between someone who is trying to be a bitch and who actually is a bitch and Tony Storm, I feel like she's she has to try to be a bitch because that's just not her natural demeanor. Then again, I never met her in person, but just I'm not feeling the gimmick. I'm not feeling. I mean, I'm not feeling the heel turn. This she, it's not working. She need they need to find some way to switch her back to babyface. I mean, I see what you mean by her demeanor, but I mean, you and I can see that. Like she was actually successful as a babyface. As a heel, it's been utter failure. Yeah, it's just not has not worked. And then of course we have uh, Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory, uh, who earlier attack carrying cross but before that uh they were confronting william regal because uh johnny is trying to get the match with butch reed that's scheduled for next week overturned and he's mad at the fact that william regal's too busy to talk to the north american champion but he's in a meeting with scarlet and so johnny has a conversation william regal says we'll get to it later john sarcastic johnny sarcastically says all right fine fine we'll talk later but then Austin Theory gets himself into a whittle trouble with his inner monologue. This is great, by the way, Vinny. What are you talking about? This is absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's hilarious. It was hilarious. I loved it. But he got himself into trouble because now he has to face Karrion Cross because he touched her nails. But the sexual innuendo with that was perfect. Like this, this are, the segment was perfect. Are those Maybe. even real? The, those can't be real. Those are the longest nails I've ever seen. Like I laughed at. Oh, I, 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 me too, dude. I loved it. I loved it. And then, and then of course later on they confront William Regal and Johnny wants the match overturned because Dexter Loomis interfered. Regal says no. You're facing Butch Reed next week with your title on the line. And now Austin Theory has to face Karrion Cross. So it's it's safe to say that Austin Theory is getting his ass kicked next week it's safe. oh yeah no uh a thousand percent he's getting his ass kicked before we get into the next segment we have to ask the question do we think we could see a new north american champion yes i think we i think we do you think butch you think butch could take it uh or uh bronson reed yeah i think i think bronson reed can take yeah. it um but the only reason i feel that way is because of something that happens later in the evening yes absolutely and then of course we have um awkward segment with uh uh caden carter and ac cantanzaro who apparently have issues with uh Zylee and tian shah and then all of a sudden they get uh, greeted by frankie monet or as we know her as taya valkyrie taya valkyrie absolutely 
And I don't know. I felt like this was more about establishing the Frankie Monet character than forwarding any kind of feud that I didn't even know existed. Oh, a hundred percent, Bing. A hundred percent. This was just uh, another week of let it. Let's get introduced to Frankie Monet. And no, they don't give a crap about that. Like no one gives a crap about the promo. It wasn't. It, 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 it's all for the introduction of Frankie Monet, which sucks. Um, but it's not like. Caden Carter and Casey Canton Zero were good at the promo anyway. It wasn't even a good promo. Yeah, like, it was boring. At least if it had some feeling behind it, I might have felt a little bad for him that the, you know, the outcome was not, it, it wasn't for them, but it wasn't even a good one. So whatever. Exactly. And the thing is this, some people are liking Frankie Monet, like the gimmick. Some people aren't liking the gimmick. Here's what I got to say. The gimmick, it goes up, it goes down. It has its moments, but I already know when she finally gets in that ring, doesn't matter what the gimmick is. She is going to, she is going to tear the house down when she gets in that ring. There's not a doubt in my mind that this character is going to get more over when the bell rings. They're establishing this new gimmick, but as soon as that bell rings, she's going to be Ty of Valkyrie. You think you think the perception will change that quickly with her? She's that damn good in the ring. That's what I'm saying. That regardless of how okay. people about the gimmick, she's that damn good in the ring. Like I've seen her, I've seen her on TV, I have seen her live in a ring. She is amazing. She's an amazingly talented female wrestler. If she was not working for and if she was not signed by NXT, I guarantee you the next UCW show, she would get booked. The only reason that they're not going to book her anymore is because she's now signed by WWE. So she's not doing any more indie gigs anytime soon. And I could take that as a good thing and a bad thing because, I mean, the fact that she is with NXT is great because uh, I can't wait to actually see her in the ring. Uh, It's been a minute because the last time I saw her was Lucha. Yeah, and you remember how good she was in Lucha. That, That I do remember. So that's what I'm saying. Once that bell rings, you know, the only thing that might change is her psychology because of her character. But if she's got to lock up with somebody, she can whoop some ass. So that's what I'm saying. I feel like once she gets in that ring, that's when the perception is going to change. If To anyone that's not feeling the gimmick. Because it's definitely an odd gimmick, but she's finding a way to make it work. She's still, I think she's still trying to figure it out. So the more screen time she gets, the more chances she has to build them. And on that note, I got we got to talk about, before we get to the rest of the matches, we got to talk about this. Because I, even as much as I hate that this is happening next week, and God help me, I do hate it. I have to say... This was probably one of the best confrontation promos, face-off promos I've seen in a long time. Raquel Gonzalez and Mercedes Martinez. Holy shit, that was epic. Oh, okay. I didn't, uh, I did not think you were gonna feel that way. Oh, these two tore each other apart and they like, like they, they're, every time they say something, every time they're in the middle of a promo, someone had, someone always had a smart-ass comment to say. It's like, I'm not afraid of you. You should be. I don't respect you. You should. Like, I love that. Like, just the anger and the confidence and the delivery between both both of them like it's a it's it's, it's a fight feat it's giving you a a big fight feel and it's making you think this could go either way because both are so angry both are so confident it, this could go either way and i'm like i'm excited for this match my only complaint is that it's happening too early but the, the but this face off beforehand i'm definitely tuning in i uh, Vinny, i'm gonna be honest it didn't catch me uh like it caught you I see i can agree that these two women cut really good promos like it, they were good. Now, like I, I watched. I was entertained. I'm excited to see these two, like to to see them, to to see them have a match. But I wasn't like, hell yes, I cannot wait to see this. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, we got a we got a women's championship ma- match next week. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my NXT correspondent, not easy to please. <laughs> no, that's not. I I am easy. I I know. I know. I am easy to please when it comes to certain things. I just I wasn't feeling this one. I know. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. I was. Just I know. I know. I know. But anyway, um, uh, so on that note, we're gonna move on to the uh next match here. Um, uh, th- normally this would be a match of if you could call it that, but with how it went, um, I think we could. I think I, I'm not 100, percent but Saray versus Zeta Ramirez. Oh, uh, 
this was a hard one uh, when it went when you say uh, if you can call it that because you can call it a match, but there wasn't much substance to it. Yeah, it basically was another way to establish a uh, Saray. What I also loved about it was just the the submission exchanges in this match were awesome. Like like I I didn't I I I don't I haven't seen much of Zeta, but I didn't know I, she's very good at submissions. Saray's very good at submissions. Uh, both these women were like. It could have gone either way. Like it was amazing. There were times where it looked like Zeta was gonna was gonna win this match. I kind of I kind of had a feeling in the back of my head she wasn't because Saray is so brand new. They're trying to establish her, but I like her move set in the ring. Like I'm impressed. I don't see. I don't. Uh, now it depends on how they book her, but I don't see. I don't see a Oscar 3.0 situation here. I think that this is somebody that is actually going to pay some dues and really whoop some ass before they put a belt on her. But she is definitely. Um, establishing herself, and I just loved the exchange between these two. They were the the, the ma- It was like as John would normally say, it was a TV match. And it was worked very well. Yeah, yeah, I can I can agree with that. I mean, it was a quick little match, so I can definitely see how you would fall in that uh, if you can call it that. Um, but I very much uh, it, it was good seeing these two. Yeah. So like, it was one of the things where it was a quick match, but a lot happened within that short period of time. So it wasn't like someone came out, hit a finisher, and that was it, or someone hit one or two moves and then a finisher. Like these two really went after each other and utilized that time very well it's one of those things where okay this is going to be a short match let's let's tell a story and make this work within that time that we got and that's what i like to see from any wrestler male or female wrestler rather than bitching and complaining how long your match is get a lot done within that time or get as much done as you can tell the story and do your business because trust me i've seen plenty of matches that were four or five minutes long that were more entertaining than one that was 20 or 30. So utilize the time wisely. You can still have a great match no matter the length. Some wise words from uh, Vinny Bucci there. And if you need further proof of that, we can check out the men's side of things. Because uh, this is the next match of the evening, if we can call it that. I'll uh, leave it up to John. And as of course, <laughs> the man of the hour, L.A. Knight versus Jake Atlas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, definitely not calling this a match. Uh, <laughs> I kind of feel bad. I kind of feel bad for Jake Atlas because I feel like with Jake Atlas, either they're pushing him to the moon or he's straight jobber central um they can't figure out what they want to do with him uh but uh la knight looked really good cuts an amazing promo uh what does he say uh that's not the truth that's just a fact that's That's not not the truth truth that's not an insult that is just a fact of life right 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 sorry yeah it's been a minute since i yeah um but damn man uh can we just put a mic in his hand just forever Yeah, it's like it's like when the fans yell "fight forever." If he walks down the ring, I would yell "talk forever." Yeah, for real. Like he he could cut a promo for anybody. Like he finds a way to make it work, and he's very gifted in that way. And also, he's also very talented in the ring, and he he's very old school in a lot of the ways he does things. That's what I love about it. Like I watch him, I feel like I'm watching an old school match. Like he's not he's not doing moves for the sake of doing them. Everything he does makes sense. Everything he does has a purpose, tells the story, and stays true to his gimmick. Like it he's very old school in the way he does things, and he's proof that old school still works. To anyone out there who thinks oh, it doesn't, yeah. look at look at uh LA Knight, or as we still like to call him, Eli Drake. Like this, and again, wasn't a long match, but within that time, they did a lot. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, it's It was crazy. It's crazy to me that he was on Impact for so long and uh, didn't get signed to WWE or anywhere else sooner because he's great. Oh, yeah, and he was at NWA for a while, too, before he finally got scooped up by NXT because uh, out of all the wrestling companies, NWA was the only televised company that literally had to shut down everything because of COVID. Couldn't even hold matches. Like, like the other companies were still holding matches on, on TV and stuff. NWA was the one that shut down completely. So there were a lot of um, guys that ended up leaving the company and going somewhere else because they needed to make money. So when the other companies were looking to sign them, they were able to, you know, take advantage of those opportunities and go work other places. And some people eventually came back to NWA. Others came other places. Like, that's how, uh, it's how Eli Drake ended up here. It's how um, Wade Barrett ended up on commentary because he was the color guy for NWA for a while. So he 
That was another steal from NWA. They 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 were scooping them up a lot. Although AEW, I, I hate I'm not only saying temporarily, they kind of helped NWA a little bit by bringing some of their guys on that TV screen. But that was before that's before they had the deal with Impact and all that. But yeah, this guy was like, and I even said it when I talked about Vengeance Day. It was the first time that the pre-show excited me almost as much, if not more, than the actual pay-per-view itself. Because everybody knows I don't normally talk about the pre-show. To me, it don't count. It's a waste. It's there, you know, to have on the TV, look at, you know. But when I found out LA Knight was on that pre-show, I was like, holy shit, I got to see this. Like, it just popped up on my Twitter feed, and I had to go back and watch it so I could see it, to see that debut, because I was like, holy shit. Because I knew, I knew it was going to be amazing when he finally got on TV regularly. Like, this this is a future star. If they don't fuck this up, you have an NXT star, and you have a guy who can go to the main roster and get over over there. This is a, this is a future WWE champion if they don't fuck him up. Yeah, but they, oh man, Vinny, that's a, that's a tall order, man. I didn't think he could handle it. I wouldn't say it. But I'm telling you, it's like they could now, like I said, they could fuck it up creative now because, you know, I because I, I had high hopes for EC3 and we saw how he turned out. Granted, oh, poor, poor EC3. Granted, he's reinventing himself in Ring of Honor. Good for him. But there was potential. They they had a star right there with him, too. And they fucked that up. So I don't know what could happen. So I'm not I'm confident, but I'm also worried. But either way, LA Knight's doing great. And then, of course, we have Legato Del Fantasma comes out. They cut an incredible promo. And apparently, uh, Ushida is still fuming from the attack last week. So he offers to put his Cruiserweight title on the line next week. And Santos Escobar gladly accepts and hopes of regaining the championship. Meanwhile, uh, Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza are staking their claim that they want to face MSK for the NXT Tag Team titles. Thank God. Yes. So here's hoping all three get what they want because I don't know when the t- did they did they say the tag title match is going to happen next week? Uh, they didn't announce it yet, so I'm not exactly sure if that's like official. Okay. But it would be cool. Yeah, I know next week we got Kushida and Santos, and they're making it a two out of three falls match, which is going to be interesting. I like how yeah. Two out of three falls matches, man. They they can kind of drag if not done right. And on TV, it's it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be like a half an hour long match, dude. Yeah, there might be some picture in picture during that one. Then of course, I have no idea, but we'll see. Yeah. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening: a street fight for the NXT Women's Tag Team Titles. Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon put the titles on the line against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell of the way. In a street fight. So to, we got, we, we, oh, of course, we open the match with the Falls Count Anywhere and we end the night with a street fight. Uh, Before we get into the actual match, how did you feel about the anti Dexter Loomis uh, that Candice LeRae was pulling the whole time? That was great. Uh, I like that Dexter Loomis was right outside the door. <laughs> right with the flowers. Yeah, and you can see him through the window because, like I said, before Dexter Loomis is the one person that can entertain the crowd without saying anything he doesn't have to talk he doesn't have to really do much he can literally just stand there and make a point and very few wrestlers can do that so I thought that was very well done I like that Indy couldn't notice it but I like that Candace at some point saw it and tried to draw the blinds and stuff because I'm like okay one of you has to see that like you he's way too obvious for you two to be that oblivious somebody has to notice that at some point and Candace finally did so I was like all right there's some believability here but then once and then once that happened happened it worked out great but i like the anti-dexter loomis thing because i feel like they're again they're gonna drag this on until eventually we're gonna see dexter and indy together yeah i think we are as well that's just the way they're pushing uh but let me tell you dude these women absolutely kicked the crap out of each other in this match man um indy hartwell especially took some good bumps here uh candles the took some good bumps shotzi was given bumps but you know when you give you also take at the same time just man i i really do have to give it to these ladies uh, uh honestly Vinny, um i know you've talked about before like when you've watched a street fight uh somehow you just don't see like the anger involved or like legitimately a street fight i'm not sure if you did but i'll tell you what it actually looked like these girls were pissed off at each other and was like no screw this i'm i'm just gonna kick the crap out of you with with trash cans and tables and coffee mugs (laughs) like honestly great oh yeah um go ahead go ahead 
Yeah, there were chairs, a fire extinguisher. And I also like the teamwork. Like at one point, I oh, think yeah. it was like I think it was I can't if I remember correctly, it was Shotzi on the ladder. Uh she was laying on the ladder and um Indy was like holding her leg, so she was like so she couldn't get off the ladder. And then uh Candace did that springboard moonsault, which granted only her legs hit Indy, but so she didn't get all the way over there. But I get either way, it did cause some damage, but it wasn't enough to like put her away permanently, which I liked. Because, you know, if only her legs hit, it's not as strong, so she, so it's believable that she would kick out. Now, if she did a full body-on-body body moonsault, and that ladder breaks in half, that's your finish. That, that's your finish. You, you don't, you do nothing else after that. But because only the legs hit, she kicked out. But not only did they kick out, Ember broke up the pin, which was even better. Because with moves like that, when you got a move that should be the finish in a tag match, it should only stop if the person comes in and breaks up the pin. If they're not able to break up the pin, you count three, that's over. Yeah. Um. Real quick, uh, I do want to talk about a botch that happened. Sure. Um. Did you notice when Ember Moon went for a cover and Shotzi Blackheart, uh, she knocked and like she went to stop Candice LeRae from breaking up the pin, but instead she breaks up her own pin. <laughs> I caught, I, I actually, now that I think about it, I did, I did catch that. And when I was watching, I was like, oh God, that, that wasn't pretty. Um, but either way, uh, we do get to the end of the match. And this is the reason that we talked earlier that, uh, I do believe that Johnny Gargano is going to lose the North American championship because the way gets two more belts underneath them. And Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell are your new NXT tag team. Uh, women's tag team champion yeah i was i'm gonna be honest i didn't see that coming me neither man i i really thought they would give ember and shotzi at least another uh, at least a couple defenses before they dropped him but yeah. i guess they feel the need here to put it on the way which is why i think johnny's gonna drop his yeah and i feel like with the with the with the way they're being booked it makes more sense to have it on them because when dakota and raquel won had the belts um, I was pissed off when they lost them. Like literally they yeah. had the belts and then all of a sudden that same night, Ember and Shotzi take them. And it's not none against Ember and Shotzi. I think both are very talented, but I felt like that was a reign that ended way too quickly. So, you know, the fact they had it as long as they did impressed me because, you know, obviously they're friends, but I didn't really consider them like a tag team, really. Uh, to me, Candice and Indy are more of a tag team because they're definitely in action. So I feel like whoever's the more solid tag team should have the belts. So it makes sense for them to have it because they're going to have more of a story. And who knows? Maybe something could happen where at some point they drop the belts. Like maybe let's say, you know, Dexter Loomis causes them to lose the belts accidentally. Like Indy gets distracted. She gets rolled up and pinned. She loses the belt. And Candice just attacks Indy Hartwell. And the guys are kind of like watching and cheering as they're just kicking Indy out of this group. They're not going to let Johnny and Austin do anything physical. And then Dexter can yeah. get in the ring and kind of just knock out both those guys, kind of chase Candice away, and that's how they get together as a face turn. They can kick her out of the way because she costs them the belts. Because the best way to kick somebody out of a faction or split up a tag team is for them to lose the belts in a in a fuckery kind of way. That's the best way to split a team up. Yeah, I think this is a hard one because obviously I think Dexter Loomis is going to be involved in when they do actually drop them, but I'm, I'm legitimately curious to how this uh, Dexter Loomis and India Hartwell is going to work out because Dexter Loomis might turn her face, which then would break up the at least that 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 little group. Um, but other than that, Vinny, that's NXT, man. Absolutely. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, wraps up the recap of NXT. And of course, John, I thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule, man, to uh, join me here. I look forward to talking to you next week when uh, we got a stacked card for next week. I know we got two title matches next week. Ooh, girl. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be epic. And of course, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, um, make sure you guys are following the Boochcast. We, as I mentioned before, we are now on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcast. So pick your favorite one or follow us on all four. That would be great. Um, also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We got archived episodes of the show as well as great content up there. We just recently posted uh, the 
the uh, recent episode of Dark Side of the Ring, the final days of Owen Hart, is up there now. Uh, you can check that out. And, of course, uh, Brian Pillman will be coming soon uh, to that channel as well. Uh, also, of course, you got a lot of other great content. And of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at the Boochcast for the latest tweets, photos, and videos. And, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. As I mentioned before, we got Dark Side of the Ring up there. Uh, and also, this week, we have special treats coming up. Uh, tomorrow, or today at the time that you're listening to this, um, we have uh, the WrestleMania Night 1 uh, watch party is up there. Uh, we finally have that archived on the YouTube channel. And we have a special uh, special video that we did after WrestleMania 37. Uh, we did a special D&D one-shot uh, with myself, Elvis Delinsky, and Desmond Dagenhart. Because uh, ever since the Zero session that we did a while back, uh, Des- El- Elvis, I should say, and Desmond, but mostly Elvis, has been begging to play D&D. And as we mentioned before, uh, we are in the process of starting our own D&D show. We just had, we've had a lot of issues come up. We've had to, you know, move some, some things around. But once we get all that settled, uh, we will be doing the D&D show very soon. Uh, we know uh, I've had some things to deal with. John's moving into a new house. So we're trying to get everything situated before we ultimately give you guys a D&D show. But since Elvis couldn't wait a long time, during the show, Desmond literally wrote a one-shot campaign. We put it together. Elvis did his uh, Beef Wellington character. And John, when you see the video... I when you see the video, you're going to love this. We already have some Twitch fans that are eager for D&D, and Beef Wellington is over. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Like, like Elvis playing Beef Wellington, he started growing a fan base just on Beef Wellington alone. Like, Oh, that's great, Like, man. the way he plays the character, when you see the video, you'll you'll get it. Fans went fucking crazy. There were even some fans that were like, hey, uh, can we do a special campaign where we jump in? Like, there's some fans that want to play with us. So, I know, like I said, I know we got some things to take care of before the show airs, but I'm just letting you know, they're, they're they're eager. They're waiting. We got when we're ready Good, to do this D&D thing. It. We got a fan base waiting for us. Once we get to, once I get situated in the new house, man, we'll be all systems go. Sounds good. So make sure you guys check out the one shot. That'll come out Saturday on the YouTube channel. And of course, speaking of Twitch, make sure you guys follow us on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. That's where we get to do uh, the live watch parties and the live D&D shows where you can live chat with us uh, during the events and everything. And of course, you know, we'll work in, talk to you guys. And like I said, with the D&D, we'll either do an in character or out of character, depending on the situation. Uh, We'll chat with you guys we're gonna have a good time it's gonna be all kinds of fun but the twitch channel is where you can chat with us youtube you're just watching i mean obviously if you comment on the video we'll reply to the comment but the only way to actually live chat with us during the watch parties and the DD shows is to follow us on twitch at twitch.tv slash the boochcast and of course support the show through patreon go to patreon.com slash the boochcast we have great rewards for great patrons for as little as one dollar a month just one dollar a month you can help us keep the show going up you know allow us to you know take care of the bills upgrade the equipment bring in big name guests take care of all the guys who work hard behind the scenes here at the boochcast patreon is where you can make that happen and if you got some extra spending cash you want to take advantage of the other rewards we got feel free to do so and until next time this is Vinny Bucci aka the booch saying keep on living life and take care this has been the booch cast we'll talk to you guys next time until then pizza Pizza, baby baby. well i see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye goodbye so long so long farewell farewell adieu adieu be good stay well bye bye keep warm relax and eat take care stay loose Adieu, mon vieux, à la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.